Welcome to My Movie Minute, the podcast in which I, Charlie, and co-host Mark take it in turns to choose a minute or less that sticks out in our mind from the movies that have shaped us. This week is Mark's choice, and regular listeners will know there is a chance at the start to try and guess the movie from our Say What You See description. This week's episode is particularly special for us for reasons that will be revealed directly after the theme music. What about you, bruh? What about me? Do you ever look at someone and wonder what is going on inside their head? Who are you? Are we enemies? Why am I on this wall? Let me explain. No, there is too much. Let me sum up. Trinity, Eli, you boy. They mostly come at night. Mostly. So, Mark, we are on episode seven of My Movie Minute. It's exciting. Yes, it's particularly exciting today um, because this is the first episode that we have recorded in the same place. We are sat opposite one another in my makeshift podcast studio. Absolutely. And uh, something that we've never really talked about on this podcast, but I think we made a conscious decision not to because it's a lighthearted movie podcast. <laughs> well, if last week's episode is anything to go by, maybe not always not lighthearted, always lighthearted. <laughs> but it's a lighthearted movie podcast. And we sort of didn't go into any depth about the fact that, you know, it started like many new podcasts did on during the coronavirus lockdown. Yes. And so we've recorded every session that we've done so far on Zoom. Um, but we're now at a stage where we feel a bit safer, a bit more comfortable. To- we're now at a stage where our workplace has told us we need to be <laughs> yeah. in the same place at the same time. Yeah. So we're going to take advantage of that because like, I'm as cautious as, and maybe more cautious in some ways about this kind of stuff. But in order to do and exist in uh, some kind of a normal way, mm. we need to get used to doing the stuff we used to do but with that consciousness yeah, to doing yeah. it safely and doing it respectfully. And, and, uh, and we might go into this a bit more in episode uh, eight, actually, but me and Mark do work together and we'll talk about that a little bit more in episode eight, I'm sure. Um, so, and because we're back to work and working together at social distance distances, yeah. so then it's, 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 it follow, it follows that we now record our podcast together it's, in your makeshift studio. It's very nice to see you. And very nice to see you too. <laughs> um, I'm here with a, uh, one of your mugs, which seems to have uh, Elvis on it, which is wonderful. And you've got a mug that has a, there's no I in podcast written on it. Now, yes. um, I haven't yet given you an opportunity on this podcast to talk about your your, your other podcast within this podcast network of yes. yours. <laughs> so, you know, no, thank you for, for bringing it up. I, I found, uh, like you say, during lockdown, feeling quite isolated, I found that holding these conversations and connecting with people that I used to see every day, mm-hmm. really, really important. And I used to have this regular conversation with my colleague, Sean Gallagher, uh, who is a sports coach, about how we uh, differ in the ways in which we run our teams. Uh, I'm a, a, a performance teacher, usually. So I try and bring this kind of ensemble emphasis and collaboration where eh, there's no really getting it wrong and yeah. we're trying to build each other up. And, and Sean, whilst having a same kind of core emphasis, is about we're going to win, mm-hmm. we're going we're gonna to beat another player. And so we would have this conversation regularly, daily. And then when lockdown happened, we wanted to continue it and we took the opportunity to invite other people into that conversation. Yourself at one point, you came yeah. on as a guest, which was wicked because that, that really felt like 
having a conversation the way it used to be. Yeah, you know, we, um, but also inviting some really interesting uh, sports people and coaches and business coaches uh, on to talk about uh, making the most of their teams, uh, leading teams and generally kind of collaboration and how we best operate with each other. So we put out this podcast. It's called There's No I in Podcast. It comes uh, out every Friday and has done throughout lockdown. We may change that, actually. Now that people seem to be having a commute, we might choose a different day. Okay. Because yeah. we were doing it as uh, at the end of our work week, and now uh, it might be something that people would enjoy on well, their you tubes. you can start the week with My Movie Minute Monday, and you can end the week with uh, There's No I Am Podcast Friday at yeah. the moment. And you can find that uh, all the good places you find podcasts, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor is where we host it. So uh, keep, an, keep an eye out. It's a really fun one. And coming on as an early guest and talking a bit about um, the Duke of Edinburgh Award and also Dungeons and Dragons, um, I think was sort of applied the seed to us maybe talking, thinking about the kind of nerdy film chats that we've been having for the last couple of years, just chucking a in mic. secret. Yeah, <laughs> putting a mic in front of us, giving it a little bit of a, a format in terms of uh, choosing a minute for the movie. And that's where this kind of podcast came from as well. Yeah. So they're very connected. I don't think uh, my movie minute would have existed without it. Um, you can call me a mogul if you want. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so um, it, it's a nice uh, link as well, because I've got a little bit of listener feedback as always. And the first Lovely. is from friend of this podcast and your co-host from There's No Iron podcast, Sean. What I've done this week is, is, is I've, given, I've, I've put together three bits of uh, linked listener feedback, which are all to do with kind of near misses. So mm. guesses that people have done, which, which actually I think fit perfectly the title of the podcast for, for new listeners we describe uh, a scene um and and we put a title uh, of the podcast that's just the first line of that description and people have been trying to guess yes what movie we're doing just from that and it feels like an easy thing to do but as i found out on a previous podcast when it's someone else describing it yeah uh, and you don't already know what it is it can be quite tough yeah, and also I, I put, um, when each new podcast comes out, I put a picture on Instagram at My Movie Minute that, that is not the scene that we're, we're talking about. It's actually a scene from a different movie as a red <laughs> yeah. herring, just to confuse matters even more. Um, anyway, Sean, um, I think you know this one, but by way of example for the next day, um, Sean, for episode four, The Sun Rises on the Horizon, mm. um, I think Sean put together a very good near miss. I think a, a more famous... Uh, sun rising on the horizon and the one that we ended up talking about is the one from do you know my my gut says apocalypse now yeah 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 so i think because it's actually the poster of that movie it mm. probably does spring to mind before just slightly before the children's animation that we did end up talking about in episode four the next one that was a near miss uh was from episode one Man in a the, the the episode title was the man in a wide a man in a wide brimmed hat a fairly common near miss more than one listener guessed this who do you reckon is the most famous man in a wide brimmed hat very good very good and I will be very surprised if you get this last one from listener Amanda without me giving you some clues but I've got a few clues lined up as okay. well. Episode six, the last episode that we discussed, uh, the episode title was We Were Driving Down a Quiet Country Road. Mm. Can you think of any other memorable quiet country road scenes? Can I, can I be doubly obscure? Yeah, go for it. <laughs> so there was, I don't even know, it might predate YouTube, but there was a video of the opening of The Shining recut Mm. Uh, the trailer of The Shining recut to be a romantic comedy and it had Peter Gabriel's <laughs> Salisbury Hill playing underneath it. Oh, and no. so I have this, it, it's, it's, 
I imagine the shining, but with a jolly kind of <laughs> jingle jangle piece right. of music behind it. Well, that's not the Amanda guest, believe mm. it or not. Um, but I reckon this is a film where if I start listing actors in it, mm. okay. um, I reckon you may get it after the first couple of actors, but I guarantee you that the third actor that I re- read out on this list, you will immediately get this film. Okay, so I'll start listing the actors in this film okay. and, and the third one. I reckon you'll get it. Reese Witherspoon. Selma Blair. Oh, okay. Cruel Intentions. Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so iconic. And there's a there's a scene. I think it's only got Reese with a spoon uh, um, of her driving down a quite. Yes, it's, it's, quite it's iconic. I, is, is, is it is it the no? It's not the finale. The finale is when Sarah Michelle Gellar comes out and they. Yeah. Is uh, there a kind of a it's, it's satisfied? Around, it's around the sort of uh, final act mm. though that, that that all that sort of happens. That was I think a great film. I mean, in the canon yeah. of kind of taking adult. And turning it into teenage, yeah. There's that, and there's. I mean, I love Brick. If you if you know yeah, Ryan Johnson's Brick, Brick. Yeah, yeah. oh, um, but yeah, it's it's got a vibe. But also, Sarah Michelle Gellar at that point was very very famous for Buffy. Well, it still is very, most famous for Buffy, and it was such a different to see her role. as the baddie, yeah, as exactly. a villainess. Yeah. Mm. So, without further ado, Mark, um, without any giveaways, uh, names of characters, title of the movie, which movie minute are we discussing today? A young woman. Puts a car into gear and drives quickly forward. The car tires smoke. With panic in her eyes, the driver reaches to grab her seatbelt. She is stopped only by the old woman holding her neck. The car speeds towards a parked SUV. The driver struggles with the seatbelt. The seatbelt clicks in. In shock, a staple flies from the face of the old woman. The car smashes into the SUV, sending the old woman flying forward. Her face smashes against the dashboard, and her dentures fly out from her mouth. There is a moment where both young and old woman recover. The old woman realises she is now toothless. In a rage, she screams and launches herself at the driver and bites down on the driver's chin with her toothless gum. Saliva flies Second uh, podcast in a row that, that takes place inside a car. Inside a car, travelling at speed. Could not be more different. Um, I, I'm, I think it might be the hardest one to guess to date. Yeah. Uh, just from the description alone. Uh, I would say that if you know it, you know it. If you don't, you ain't getting it. <laughs> so do, do tell those who are you know, desperate to find out and haven't guessed from the description, what, what movie uh, are we talking about today? So this is, this is uh, from the Sam Raimi horror movie, Drag Me to Hell. 
It's one of these interesting ones. I find myself always saying uh, Sam Raimi before I say Drag Me to Hell. It's one mm. of these um, sort of films that's so linked with the director yes. for me. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. The, the T-shirt that I'm wearing has got Ash from The Evil Dead on it. And that's, that, that's my salute to the, to the um, movie, movie that we're, we're talking if about If chins could kill. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but uh, I think it's probably the least mainstream movie we've talked about so far. So people mm. might not quite know what's happened up to this point. Mm. Um, can you give it in the context of the movie now that we know what it is? The film is about a young woman, uh, Christine, who works in a, a bank as a loans officer and an old lady who, uh, in utterly non-politically correct fashion, just is repeatedly called a, a gypsy woman, mm. uh, comes in and tries to get an extension on her loan. And Christine is trying for a promotion, so she's being super hard and says, absolutely not. And the old woman gets furious and breaks down and start and, and ends up being escorted from the bank by security. Uh, at the end of the day, Christine goes to get in her car to go home and sees this old lady's car or a car that is quite strange in front of her parked car. And uh, when she gets in the car and tries to leave, she realizes the old lady is in the back of her own car mm -hmm. and uh, the old lady attacks her. Mrs. Ganesh attacks Christine and in order to escape, Christine drives her own car into, uh, into a collision, forcing this, this old lady who we've seen kind of desperate and we've also seen rage-filled, uh, causing this old woman to lose her dentures and yet still continue to attack uh, the young lady. And the moment that sticks so, so strongly in my mind, she bites down. Uh, her top lip goes inside Christine's mouth. Her bottom lip clamps around the bottom of her jaw and she just starts gumming at that uh, word. Just the word <laughs> gumming is enough to like give you... The, There's this. no bite, it's all gum. And, yeah. and the fight continues, but that is, that is where I'm going to end my minute, is mm. this, this gumming and this fleck of saliva that flies towards yeah, the... Yeah, there's, there's an awful lot of saliva um, going on in that <laughs> scene. I can attest that. It's wonderful. Um, I, um, I have a bit of a hypothesis, and I, I, we decide, you decided about a week ago um, that you were going to talk about this, this scene. Yeah. Um, and I, there's a question I've been wanting to ask you, and I haven't asked you it yet, because I wanted to ask you with the microphones in front of us. Go for it. But there's a bit of uh, sort of hypothesis around it as well. Um, so I'm a, a huge fan of the Evil Dead trilogy. Yes. A, a big, big, big fan. Yeah. And I think some people hate it. It's got a huge cult following. I'm one of the people who absolutely adore the Evil Dead trilogy um, and everything that came after it, including the new Netflix series and everything. Um, it, it, it's fantastic um, in my eyes. Sam Remy then went on to do, you know, the three Spider-Man movies, which I found personally a little disappointing because I'd had Remy up uh, on this sort of pedestal yeah. in terms of these, these kind of gross horror movies yeah. that he does. Um, and when, when, when this came out, it was a return to him to a Evil Dead-like horror sort of yeah. crazy slapstick slash horror uh, and, and vaunted as such. Like, right. that, was, that was what people were being told. Yeah, it was almost like we were watching, uh, we were being prepared to watch like an Evil Dead 4. Yeah. Um, 
I my hypothesis, and actually, really interestingly, Rami's done, Rami's done very little since he 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 brought out Oz the Great and the Powerful, and and that's the only thing that he's directed since uh, Drag Me to Hell, which is he's he's almost kind mm. of disappeared. Um, so so what's my hypothesis? My hypothesis is, I think that your enjoyment of Drag Me to Hell is completely different whether you're coming to it as a already an Evil Dead trilogy fan mm. or as someone who is coming to this kind of thing for the first time. And so the question I want to ask you is, were you like me, because we've never had this conversation before, a big Evil Dead trilogy fan, were you bringing that to this film or, or have you, did you come from a, a place very different to where I was coming from? Uh, I came from a really specific relationship to the Evil Dead. Oh, really? Um, in that, uh, all, of, all of the films I will ever talk about come from a drawer or a cupboard that's mm. <laughs> from when i was younger at least and i remember really strongly watching ash replace his hand with a chainsaw yeah and fight his possessed hand yeah at a friend of my auntie's house mm-hmm. on video not knowing what i was watching so i must i would have been you know under 10 years old yeah and thinking this is the coolest worst thing i've ever seen yeah. like scary funny altogether i had no idea i was watching an evil dead film i had no idea uh that i was watching part two yeah i had zero context and for years and years and years and years and years i did not know what the evil dead films were i knew they existed yeah uh, i knew there was a mythology around them but i didn't know that that's what i had seen yeah. So I have yeah. I have a really embedded kind of joy with that kind of film. Yeah. But it wasn't because I knew it was The Evil Dead or Sam Raimi or potentially even by the point I watched Drag Me to Hell in the cinema, knowing that that's what I had seen mm-hmm. and put and put two and two together. Yeah. So no, I was not an Evil Dead fan. But yes, I was a massive Evil Dead fan. <laughs> <laughs> so um, tell me about what go was going through your head then uh, coming to this movie, not sort of being in that kind of mindset of, of, of a kind of cult follower of yeah. Sam Raimi horror. What, 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 why, th- why this scene? Why this movie? Why have you decided to talk about it? What impact did it have? So one of the things that I rate uh, this film, and as I now understand it, Sam Raimi with, is this capacity to have you laughing and terrified at precisely the same moment. Yeah. And... You know, a lot of people will scare you and then relieve you by making you laugh or have you comfortable and laughing and then shock the hell out of you. Yeah. This moment was equally hilarious Mm. and horrifying simultaneously. And I don't think anyone else does that in the way that he does that. And I don't think up to that point I'd experienced that, certainly not in the cinema. Um, and it's, it's such a sublime feeling. Yeah. Well, he talks about his influences and he says he's much more influenced. He's mostly influenced in the evil dead trilogy. Um, and, and thereby I assume in drag me to hell, mm. because I've already said, I almost see it as an extension of that by the three stooges than mm. anything else. He, he wanted to do slapstick, yeah. but he wanted it to not be funny. He wanted yeah. it to be horrible. And, um, and he talks quite a lot about that. Um, I think personally, um, because I come from it slightly differently to you, mm. um, 
I think, first of all, if I were to choose a Sam Raimi clip, I would probably mine it from Evil Dead 2. Yeah. The point at which the, the, the chainsaw goes on the hand is, is what turns Ash from a man in a movie into a cult legend. Yes. Um, because suddenly it's he's also a the most like I'm looking at your t-shirt now and I'm looking at the silhouette yeah. of a you know kind of shot from below mountain of a man with this weapon that is an extension of himself mm. and it's just a like it is both the dumbest thing you can ever know yeah but also inherently badass yeah yeah and, yeah. and just awesome yeah and those are. And I rate Drag Me to Hell as just this Pandora's box of those. Yes. Where you can be feeling two separate things at the same time. Like you mm. despise this lead character, this this lovely, young, ambitious, uh, but ultimately shallow or aggressive or violent. Like the mm. the, the fight that, that I that follows the minute. She like kicks this woman out of her car. Yeah. And rather than be gracious in that, she screams at her, see, I got you, you bitch. And, <laughs> and it's like, that could have been the moment to make her heroic. Yeah. And, you, and, and, and we're given this kind of crappy, crappy human. Yeah. And that roller coaster is so brilliant through the film and, and escalated in, in a bunch of different ways. I mean, actually, it reminds me a little bit of the plot of uh, Thinner by Stephen King. Mm. I've read the book and, 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 and the film, and that's that kind of thing of the, 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 the actual central character that is having the curse against them is, is actually not very Probably likeable. deserved it. Yeah, yeah and, you're, and you're, you're really... Um, the other thing that kind of brings to mind for me, I, I, um, I think I say this every week, I rewatched it um, yeah. before we recorded the podcast. Uh, I'd only seen it once, and I'd only seen it at the cinema, whereas mm. Evil Dead I've seen... A ridiculous number of times, annually. probably too many to count. Probably more than annually, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I um, I felt that, um, and I think the sequence that you've chosen is one of them. And I think the sort of the the last um, main kind of horror sequence as well is one of them. I think this film is strongest, and again, this is why I'm interested to know the difference between someone coming at this as a massive cult follower of Evil, Evil Dead versus someone who's mm. just aware of them. I think Drag Me to Hell is at is it's at its best when it is doing what Evil Dead did, when you've got people yeah. flying around, like doing a little jig. Yeah. When, when, when there is a goat. Yes. With human features. features doing, like chatting. And what I also, what I also love so much about it is when a film knows itself so well and reads your mind. And like, I've picked the first of, liquid in the mouth sequences of that yeah. uh, from this film. He loves a bit of liquid in the mouth and, Sam <laughs> But he also knows that like, if it works once, mm. if you double it, it'll work twice as much. And if you triple it, it'll work yeah. twice as much well, as that. I think there are, there are countless times in his films where he, he jumps the shark, essentially. Yes. And where then, your eyes roll out of your head. Yeah, and you go, this is ridiculous. Yeah. And then the next sequence, he ups it again. You go, oh, that's where we are now. Yeah. And I think Drag Me to Hell maybe builds that slightly slower yeah. than the Evil Dead ones do. But actually, up until the point, the, the very kind of last sequence with the, the goat, mm. you've sort of almost stayed in, in, in sort of... <laughs> somewhere within kind yeah. of a, a sort of horror, horror and, and then it just goes completely crazy yeah. and you're just like there's, there's there, there are there are a few kind of key 
moment that I remember as a non-horror watcher. I don't generally go to horror. Hmm. Uh, you keep on choosing horror. Yeah, horror not because scenes, not because I not because I dislike them, but because like I like to sh- share the movie watching with my wife, and she's not a fan of them. Hmm. Um, we actually did watch this together, and we laughed and and were scared together. Uh, but this brilliant balance between the morality tale of a horror movie mm-hmm. and this slapstick. So spoilers for Drag Me to Hell, I don't care. Mm-hmm. There's a moment where this girl has to choose to, to a, a blood sacrifice. Yeah. And she chooses, or Sam Raimi chooses, the best thing in the world to set this girl up as having, one, a quandary, and two, being desperate, and three, being a bit of a villain, mm-hmm. a kitten. Yeah. This adorable kitten. And this feels like a peak. Her sacrificing a kitten and us going, oh, wow, we're serious. Yeah. Until 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, a demon vomits the kitten's corpse <laughs> up. And I'd forgotten about the kitten. Absolutely. But the film hadn't. And yeah. I knew that I wanted to feel the kitten again. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 there's there's countless examples of that. And I think um, formaldehyde in the mouth or whatever that translucent yeah. green liquid that comes out of her. Do you think so? So we've established to my by going back to my hypothesis at the beginning. Yeah. Um, we've established that whilst you didn't, you weren't an Evil Dead fan. You 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 were aware of Evil Dead when you saw this film. Do you yeah. think it's possible? And we can't answer this question because this person isn't in this room with us. Do you think it's possible because? We've already said it was, it was very much Sam Raimi's return to something a little bit like Evil, Evil Dead. Um, I certainly went in it kind of with wanting that and getting that mm. from it. Do you think it's possible to go to Drag Me to Hell with no knowledge of Sam Raimi's back catalogue and enjoy it? Do you think you have to know the, the that, like, do you, have to, do you have to go into that film ex- knowing that you're expecting something? I absolutely that is, don't. No? Because I, I really believe in the kind of the transcendent ability of a horror moment Mm -hmm. and of a comedy moment. Yeah. And I think that, I think that you will go, you will watch this film and experience some kind of confusion because you're being, it's like, it's like you're being attacked from two sides and you're defenseless and you don't know which one is wounding you more or which one is tickling you more yeah, yeah. Uh, and i think that i think that 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 happens all the time in this film yeah i think that if you're like my mum or my dad and you're watching it you might go i don't understand the young people today yeah. because because it is a surreal film even though it's thoroughly grounded in reality most of the way through there yeah. are these there are these kind of extensions and expressions of surreality and 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 pure supernaturalness yeah that that you know if you're going to make a film that is going to break the laws of reality why not break them to pieces yeah yeah absolutely Uh, and and i think that that has an impact whether you are expecting the comma horridy masterpiece of comma horridy i've just invented a new genre masterpiece of sam raimi or uh whether you're just out on a Saturday night and going, oh, drag me to hell sounds a bit. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, I think I think you'll get different things out of it. I think I think you're right. I, I I don't know, but I think you may you may get different things out of it if you 
are coming to it. I would love to know if anyone's out there seen Drag Me to Hell and hasn't got a kind of Sam Remy back catalogue somewhere in their yeah. head and whether they, they could, yeah. could appreciate it. But um, yeah, it's... it's I thought it's, it was a documentary. <laughs> I guess what, uh, what was going on in terms of you kind of bringing any of yourself to this was there was there was anything about seeing a gummy a gummy kind of and evil like, character kind that's of going, the magic isn't it yeah. these are visceral these are mm. there's there's just thinking about it now mm. it grosses me out yeah and thinking about the the second version of it which is like a weird kind of spewing of dirt and and gunk and then the third version which is just the pinnacle of grossness. Yeah. But with that same visual motif of, of, of a mouth around the bottom jaw of someone. Yeah. Which is, it might, like we talk, we talk in hyperbole all the time on this, yeah. but it might be the perfect expression of gross yeah. for me. Yeah, yeah. If, 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 we, if this the podcast goes on in, you know, for a number of series and if we ever return get to the point where we're returning to directors, it'd be quite nice to kind of move to different directors each time. But at some point I would love to come back and uh, talk a little bit about some of the, the Evil Dead ones because there are so many movie minutes that I would... Not Spider-Man 3, <laughs> bad Spider-Man strutting now, down the okay, street. interesting. Do you think that some of the um, reasons why Spider-Man 2 and 3 don't work are because Sam Raimi is trying to do what he's doing that he does so well, but it's in, a, in the context of something that is... It, feels more serious do you think he's i would love to watch a horror comedy spider-man oh yeah absolutely oh there, there is one isn't it it's called venom <laughs> <laughs> the new venom uh, and 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 yeah if you have to take the edge off mm. the the horror mm. uh it's never going to be visceral enough yeah and if you have to take the edge off of the comedy because they are it's an action franchise yeah um and actually they get used to it like slapstick Superhero movies are excellent, and I think I really, you know, I enjoy them. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think they landed on that one. Although, casting my mind back, like the invention of Spider-Man One, mm-hmm. you know, that first time, I thought wicked. Yeah. Like the green, the Green Goblin was a scary villain. I think. I think. I think the first of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man was okay. It was a. It was a. Uh... A sort of good origin story, but mm. I think I think yeah, you're right. They did um, two and three just weren't great, and 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 like I said, it's really interesting. I haven't done very very much since either, but um, yeah. So second second uh, week in a row, you've chosen a um, a horror uh, <laughs> moment, and you say you're not a horror fan. Well, maybe I've learned something about myself today. <laughs> Thank you, Charles. Thank you for listening to episode 7 of My Movie Minute. Please do tell your friends and family about us if you think they might enjoy listening to our chats and take a moment to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at My Movie Minute, where we would love you to comment, share, like and subscribe. Next week is our last episode of the series, so do join us. And until then, here kitty kitty.